Good morning. As she said, my name is Jared Harms. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Um, I oversee the spiritual discipleship, um, the missions, uh, small groups, and uh, ministry leaders during the week. Uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to stand up front uh, and to teach. Usually I'm in the classrooms doing the skills classes. Uh, sometimes it's coffee meetings, but usually it's, it's more one-on-one smaller groups. And so the chance to, to see everyone at one time and get to share uh, something that's it's on my heart um, is special to me, um, and it's an exciting way to start the year off. Uh, I want to give you a little background. October 2015, I was working here at the church. We were getting ready for the Halloween party, and so my job was to go to Hy-Vee to pick up pumpkins. We had about 20 pumpkins we needed to load up, and at that time, being in my early 30s, it was like, well, that'll be great. Go grab these pumpkins, load them up. And So I pull right up to the very front door there where they have all the pumpkins out front, so it's in front of like everybody, and uh, I'm picking them up and tossing them in, picking them up, tossing them in, and about halfway through, pick it up, and all of a sudden my back was just on fire. It had popped, and I'd blown a disc, and I had never felt pain like that in my life before, and if you've felt that before, you're kind of shifting in your seat currently, saying, oh, <laughs> don't even say those words, and I just kind of rolled over and just kind of lay there in front of hy and with all the pumpkins. My pumpkins are rolling out of the trailblazer and pumpkins that were supposed to be going in are not going in. And all I can think of was, how do I get home? How do I get home and get rid of this back pain that I have never in my life experienced? And I, and I don't even know if I could close the hatch on the trailblazer and just like drove home. And I got home and went to a couple of different doctors, uh, tried to kind of get it at bay, uh, and over the course of the next two years, ended up having it uh, go out again, had back surgery, got out of the surgery, and they said, you know, when you get out, you'll know if it's healed. Got out, and it was the exact same pain, went to some specialists, did all sorts of stuff, went through physical therapy, and I would say about a year or two ago, physical therapists would, would say, you know, when you come in, and you're kind of talking about your week, it seems like the weeks that you're stressed, your back is tight. And it seems like the weeks when you're having a good week, your back's not tight. I was like, ah, oh, it's not that simple. I mean, I have all this arthritis and I have blown discs. And she goes, well, I know that's all there, but it does seem to be your bad weeks are your stressful weeks and your good weeks are your non-stressful weeks. She goes, I just want to deduct that possibly you're carrying your stress in your back. I was like, no, 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 no. It has to be, you know, it has to be a surgery, it has to be some medicine, it has to be. And she goes, I, I think I would just keep maybe a little bit of a log on how stressed you are and, and what you're doing with that stress. And sure enough, as I began to kind of process that through, I realized I was carrying my stress in my back. Along many other issues that were going on, uh, my good weeks and my bad weeks really came down to what was I doing with that stress. And so I want to propose to you guys that I think I'm not too far off from the majority of our culture. We have ways that we deal with our stress and our tension in ways that whether it's medicating or whether it's just watching Netflix on, on end or whatever it may be or medicine you have to take, we are a culture and society that doesn't do well with stress. We don't do well with the pace of life. And at the end of the day, I would, I would say more than ever with the, the meetings that I've been having, the small groups that I talk with uh, and the one-on-ones, we're a culture that our soul is so needy for rest so needy for recharge, our soul, not just our body, but our soul. And we don't do a very good job of recharging. And, and that wake-up call of my physical therapist got me on a journey of realizing I, I don't really recharge very well. I asked people around me, and they didn't really recharge very well. What does that look like to find rest for our soul? Not just sleep, not just more caffeine, 
but our soul, deep down inside, what's that look like to find that rest? And so today, that's what I want to explore. The Sabbath is probably one of the most misunderstood words in the Bible. Uh, it doesn't get taught on very often. It's got books and books and books written about it, yet it's kind of one of those things where most people will say, well, I'm here, so I'm doing the Sabbath. I mean, that's, that's it, right? I'm good. But I want you to listen to, I had Brian, one of our drummers, record three different audio tracks that I think might help you understand just a little bit more about the Sabbath through the song. So listen to this first one. See what you think about it. This is the way it's supposed to be. Okay, so we got a rhythm. We got a beat. It sounds good. Your ears are saying this, is, this sounds right. Even Andy would say it sounds right. Now listen to the second one. Changed up a little bit there. All of a sudden, it's not quite right. Now we got one more. So that one, we're, we're, we're just kind of a little bit off. Now listen to this third one. Same song. So if you caught it between the first, second, and third, we've, we've got no rhythm, or we got perfect on the first one, no rhythm on the second one, and then just no pause, no break on the third one. So it's, it's the same song, yet you would say between the second and third, it's kind of like, ooh, can we turn that down a little bit? Can we just move on to the next one? If that's so simple to hear and find, even people with no music knowledge or ear would say, yeah, I, I heard that, I got that. I am going out on a ledge to say, for most of us, we might be out of rhythm and we might be going through, we might be out of sync, out of rhythm and not know it. And we don't want to be Christians on purpose, living, going through life without that rhythm. We don't want to just be white noise. We don't want to just be this offbeat. We're walking through and everyone's like, ooh, that, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't look right. So today I want to look at what would that look like and through the Sabbath. So I'm going to make four observations of the Sabbath with four verses to look at that. The first one today that I want to look at is Sabbath is a rhythm. As we just heard in that song, I believe there's a, a rhythm to the, the, to the Sabbath. God created us to be in rhythm. We're going to look at Genesis 1 verse 31. To give background to this in the first 30 uh, verses, God has come to earth. He's created the earth. He has created light. Um, he has, has gone through and done a work of God. And we'll see in there that he, he create something, and then it says there was evening and there was morning. And he goes through and creates the first five days, and we'll pick it up in day six. Verse 31 says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. He rested. Did you catch that? God did all this work, stuff, stuff we could never do in a million years with all the power we have. He created earth. And he got done and he rested. And I would say for the majority of my life, it was like, yeah, I mean, that was a long week. But if you look at the theology of God, he doesn't get tired. He doesn't need sleep. So what did he do? What is this rest? Most of us, our rest is we get home from a long day of work, and it's Netflix, it's YouTube, 
It's some sports. It's something to just kind of like, I just need to unwind. And God shows us a pattern here that he had a rhythm of he worked hard and then he rested. The word for rest there in the Bible, the, the descriptions for it would be a refreshment, quietness, peace from enemies, a joyous repose, tranquility, delight, a place of security, assurance, finding balance, or joy. To me, the, the most I've seen that synthesizes it is rest is to cease from being in control, to enjoy what is good while not being in control. So today, the Sabbath, the first thing I want you to look at is we need a rhythm in our life of not being in control and getting to step back and enjoy what is good, what has gone on the last week, the last amount of days. If you don't have time where you step back and you look at, I'm not going to be in control and I'm going to look at what God has done this week, whether that's being able to mentally process it, whether that's being able to enjoy what it is, then I don't think you have a Sabbath. You don't have a healthy rhythm to your life because we're not machines. We're not meant to just go, 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 go. If God can create and he doesn't physically need rest, but he could step back after six days and say, that was good and enjoy it. We are made like him in his image. We were designed for that. God created us with that rhythm to be able to step back and to enjoy what is good, to not be in control. So I'd encourage you guys, look at your week. Do you have a rhythm where you're able to step back and enjoy what has happened that week? Whether it's hours, whether it's a day, whether it's a time, or do you just go and then you fall asleep exhausted and you just go again and fall asleep exhausted and go again? Or do you have a rhythm to your life? Don't sound like the second and third song. Let's all sound like the first song. We have a rhythm of pausing and a beat to it. The second one is Sabbath is relational. This one is the one that's probably the most confusing. So to, to look at it, we have to look at what it's not. I want to look at Exodus 3, where the Sabbath comes up again. But the Israelites have gone through the land. They have become very numerous. And so Pharaoh says, there's too many. They're going to overtake me. I will enslave them. He enslaved them for over 400 years. They work for him. They produce for him. They are just a means to a production for him. And God says in verse, uh, Exodus 3, verse 7, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cries because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Did you catch that? God shows up and he says, I've seen, I've heard, and I know them. What more do we want from a relational God than when it says, I've seen, I've heard, and I know? Whatever you're going through this week, whatever your six days of work is, whether it's mental or physical, whether that's a, a struggle or a trial, he's saying here, I've seen it, I've heard, and I know. And I want to give you the good land. I want to give you something good. That doesn't mean it's going to go away right away. It doesn't mean you're going to have no pain, no struggles. But he's saying, I know you, and I want to be with you. And he delivered him from that. Can you imagine after he delivered them and he said, these are going to be the Ten Commandments. This is what I want you to do. I want you to actually have a day. He commands the day. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be an Egyptian or to be an Israelite and to have a Sabbath day after 400 years of your parents and their parents and their parents just being tasked to do work all day, every day? Because I think for many of us, we're like, well, what would I do on a day off? I don't know. I mean, that's just so abstract. And well, the Israelites, when they had time off, Moses goes up 
to get the Ten Commandments, and they build a golden calf. They're like, what else are we supposed to do? Oh, we just know how to work. We don't know how to sit still. When they had too much time on their hands, they're like, I just wish we'd go back to Egypt. They weren't good at, at being free. And I think for many of us, we're not good. We just work. We work, we work, we work, because it gives us our identity. It gives us our self-worth of who we are. And God says, you are enough in me. And if you can give me the day, if you can give me the time, and you step back from being in control, I want to have this relationship with you, and your identity will be in me, not in what you do. So when he rescued them from Pharaoh, Pharaoh was giving them their identity. You are a slave. You are a task. You are something, a means to an end. And God said, that's not true. I have a relationship with you. I've created you for a purpose. So the second part to the Sabbath is that it is relational. God wants a relationship with you. The easiest way to think about this is my son, Dre, who just turned 15. He's been learning to drive, got a school permit. If any of you are parents that have taught your kid how to drive, that first time in the car, there is nothing like it because you have given your child complete control of your life. And you're going to go down the road and, and all of you are just as peaceful as could be, right? Just here you drive, I'm going to read a book, we'll be good. No, it is micromanaging to the nth degree. It is taking control. Look at that sign. Look at the speed limit. Do you see that person? Slow down. Don't do this. And I am sure he is going gangbusters as far as like, yeah, would you just chill out? Would you just calm down? And I'm thinking, would you just pay attention? That's fairly normal. And he's done phenomenal at driving. And I can actually attest the other night we went to Chipotle and we got there and I was like, huh, we got here. I didn't freak out the entire way. We have progressed to a point where like I can enjoy this ride. Can you imagine if he's 35 or 40 and I'm still freaking out in the car with him? Either A, he's not good at driving, or I did not do my job of imparting the knowledge and trusting him. I would say in our relationship with God, there are times where we can freak out and say, God, are you sure you're there? Are you sure? But as you progress with him, you've given them the time to say, you know what? I'm going to give you this, and I'm at peace. I can enjoy this relationship. But if we're constantly on him, or if we're constantly not trusting him, then it raises question, where's that relationship? Are you giving it the time it needs to develop? Point number three is Sabbath is a gift. In Mark 2, 24, we're going to see that by the New Testament, the Sabbath had not been this task. It had become rules. The religious leaders had figured out, boy, we can make the Sabbath thing work. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And most of us have taken on that form of the Sabbath. It's a day of don't do things. And the Pharisees have gotten really good at it. And Jesus comes on the scene, and I would have loved to see him and the Pharisees um, because he, he gets a chance to reclaim it. In, in Mark 2, 24, it says, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered him, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he, Jesus, said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord of even the Sabbath. Did you catch what Jesus said there? The Sabbath was made for you and me. It wasn't about us following these set of rules. It was to set them apart in the Old Testament, but he said, it's still valid today. He had a chance to do away with it. He could have said, and I think I would have done this, man, the Sabbath is so messed up. Let's just cancel it. Start again. It's about a relationship. And he said, he said, no, 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 no. The Sabbath was a gift to you and you've messed it up. And I'd be willing to say in our culture today, God is saying, 
I still am extending this gift to you. Imagine if it were Christmas, uh, one of your kids or a family member giving you a gift, and it's still there, not under a tree, just sitting off on the side, and they're like, hey, we're, we're, you're going to open that? Nah, I, 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 I think I'm good. I mean, it'd be a complete insult. It'd be, it'd be dumb. And God is saying, I have given you as believers a gift that I think is for your good, for your enjoyment, for the better of who you are. And we're like, I don't know. I think, I think I'm good. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep moving along. But God has it there. And he said, here's a gift for you. The Sabbath is a break, regular and publicly, that permits us to open this gift on a weekly basis to recall yours and my Egypt and our Pharaoh of the week. And to remember that the God of our salvation is there to free us, just like he freed the Israelites. Each week, we get to relive what the Israelites would have very vividly remembered. Remember when we were slaves. And God says, when you open up this gift of the Sabbath, a set period of time where you get to say, I'm not in control. I want to develop this relationship and, and look at what is good. And we get this gift of saying, man, if he came through for the Israelites... And he came through for all these generations of believers. He'll come through for me. But if we don't, we're saying, I'm in control. I've got to do this. I'm going to build my golden calf again. I'm going to, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to push through. Instead, the gift is God saying, I got this. Enjoy the day. Look back on what's good. Eugene Peterson, a famous author and pastor, said, If you don't take a Sabbath, something is wrong. You're doing too much. You're being too much in charge. You've got to quit one day a week and just watch what God is doing when we're not doing anything. One day a week, you step back and see what God is doing when you're not doing anything. We're really bad at not doing anything. But at the same time, there's a God that says, I want to do a lot if you'd step back and give me control. So it's a weekly reset to give him that control. The last thing I want to look at is point four. Sabbath is an act of resistance. If you look at Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sabbath is an act of resistance, not the resistance we think of or the resistance of the last couple of years culturally. This is a resistance that if you catch it in the verses there, who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And, and it's not on the screen, but 29 and 30 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you catch the words there? I am gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. We, like a leader, we want somebody in charge that's strong and domineering. We want somebody that will take charge. And God says, you want to be countercultural? You want to show this world something different? I'm gentle and lowly. I'm a God of rest. That's not what our culture wants. It's not what our culture even understands. But God says, you want to show something different? Resist this culture in being strong and domineering. And instead, follow me as a God of rest. And you will change the culture. So this isn't taking up your arms. This isn't fighting the battle. This is saying God has done that. And I want to follow his lead by, by showing something completely different than this culture understands. If nothing else, think about how often you ask about how your week was, and people say, oh, so busy, so much going on, got so much done yesterday. Try this week saying, 
man, I had the whole day yesterday where I got to play with my kids. We watched a movie. We took a walk. Man, actually, I, I don't, I mean, I didn't even clean the house. And people would be like, you, huh? Like, like it, it would kill the conversation for sure. They don't know how to reply back to it. But it would show them something different. You took time to focus on what really mattered. That doesn't mean you don't clean your house. It doesn't mean you don't do these things. It just means you're setting those as your six days and you're saying, I'm going to take a day where I step back from that grind, from my identity and who I've created and see who Christ has created. Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money or the words mammon, which is a value or something you produce. You can't serve God and that identity. You fill in the blank for what your identity is. The God of this culture is sadly productivity. It's how much can you get done? How much can you add? How much can you be worth? What can you give me? What, what are you able to produce? And God says, you can choose that or you can choose me, but you can't choose both. But God is saying, I'm the God of rest and I will give you an identity. So let me ask you, does your, does your week reflect this? that you follow the God of rest. We've looked at these four points of what the Sabbath looks like. And I believe that in this culture of go, 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 and produce, 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 we have fallen victim to, I guess that's what I'm supposed to look like, and I'll add a little Jesus on the side and make it work. And our souls are hungry, our souls are tired. They need something more. And if we can recharge it, what could our church do collectively? If we are on rhythm if we are being able to have a relationship that's being recharged by God, we are actively resisting the culture's pull to go, 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 and say, you know what? Maybe my kid won't make that team. Maybe I won't get that promotion. Maybe this will fall off on the wayside. Maybe someone will judge me for taking that day off. But it's a rhythm that is healthy and sustainable and leads me in a closer walk with Christ. So practically, what's this look like? I'll, I'll throw out the first caveat. There are books and books and books written about this. Some are good, some are bad. There are pastors who have taught eight weeks on this, and they've tried to expand it out. I'm taking one Sunday. Um, I'm teaching a, a skills class that's going to kind of flesh this out as far as the practical side of it, starting in February. But I wanted to give you a few things to hold on to as, as we, we try to figure out what's this look like. First off, it's as simple as pick a day. Pick a day of the week, look at your week, and say, that's the day. That's the time slot. That's the evening. Maybe you work overnight, maybe you're a college student during the day, and you say, you don't understand. At all seasons of life, you're going to say you don't understand. And then when you finally do understand, you're going to say, I have so much time, I don't know how to use it wisely. You're going to be on all spectrums, but you pick a day, pick a time, and say, that's the day that I'm going to focus on. John Mark Homer says, anything to index your hearts towards the gratefulness of God's reality and goodness. Pick a day, and then pick some activities, something you can do. Uh, one of the healthiest things I've found is, it's called the five F's of Sabbath. It's family, friends, food, fellowship, and freedom. What's not to like about those five? Pick your day, guard that time, and add as many of those F's in there as you can and see what happens. You get a day where you can be with family, with friends, some fellowship, food. I like that one a lot. Freedom to just be. You don't have to have an identity. You don't have to have a worth of who you are and what did you get done and what did you accomplish. Just soak in those moments and reflect over the week. Some of you, that's so abstract, and I totally get it. We, we tend to be like the Israelites way too often. But if you were to set apart a day and you were to add in as many of those 
F's as you can in your day, I think God will start to do something in our hearts and the community around us. We get to change gears for one day a week and focus on creating space to remember we are not slaves no longer in a culture of productivity. This culture doesn't understand or know or want a Sabbath. It wants to consume to build its store towers. It's Egypt all over again. But we can stand up and say, you know what? God has something different. I have an identity in it. I told you at the beginning about surgery. The sad part is after a surgery, more hospital visits than I can picture, more steroid shots, more physical therapy, more all the stuff you can imagine. I found out two things that... I have bad genetics and arthritis in my disc, and I'm going to have pain for a while, and some surgeries may work, some may not. But I also realize that I don't handle the stress well. So what I have done is gone back to my rhythm of, I, I've learned I can only sit so long before I got to get up and move around a little bit. I've learned that I can only uh, stare at the screen and be uh, immobile in, in for so long. So I end up taking some, some laps around the church every once in a while. I get up and move every once in a while. All those things to have a healthy rhythm has made me less productive. I used to be able to just sit for hours and push through something. And now, less productive. Less in the world's mind of what I can get done. But it, it has caused me that when I get up, I actually have more conversations than I used to have. I used to I notice more than I used to. And it's funny the little things of what that's done. So in your life, this week, what would it look like to start to develop an aspect of the Sabbath? In all seasons, it's going to look different whether you have young kids, whether you're a college student, whether you're retired, it's going to look different. That's why I can't just sit up here and say, this is what it should look like. Everyone must do it. The Pharisees tried that. It failed miserably. But in your life, what would it look like to start to develop a Sabbath, a healthy rhythm? And then from there, this is not meant to consume. This is not meant to be done in isolation. This is meant to be done in community. So I would challenge you guys as you do this, because this is so abstract, whether you email me or text me or call me or meet up to me afterwards, I would love to flesh this out. I would love for you to take the class if you want to. Whatever it may be to say, okay, I want this, but I don't know what it looks like. I don't want to leave you just so abstract out there. So feel free to, to reach out. But I believe this year, if we begin to do this, what might God do through our church? What conversations might you have when someone says, man, you seem to be so at peace. I don't get it. You seem to have a lot that's going on during the week. Your weekends seem so calm. I want that. What is that? And that's ultimately, this is not making us a better Christian. This is allowing God space in our life so we can know him better and reflect him better. I think if we can do that, this gift, this beautiful gift of the Sabbath, can start to be something that's habitual in our life to where it's second nature and it starts to influence those around us. This week, Take one step towards having a Sabbath in your life so your soul can find rest. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for getting to teach on Sabbath. Lord, it uh, feels like a hidden gift that you've given us that we know very little about. And I pray today, Lord, that we've, we've sparked a fire to, to learn more about it, to research it, to look into it, Lord. But you've given us something so beautiful. I pray that we are able to, to use that in our life to show others more about you. Thank you so much for this gift. In your name. Amen.